Amen. Let's pray. Lord, what a privilege it is for us to gather here in the name of Jesus. I pray, Lord, that today the message that will be preached and shared, Lord, Lord, the message will be heard by your children through the power of the Holy Spirit. I pray, Lord, let, let not a man's opinion or a man's voice change us, but let the Spirit of God speak to us, confirming everything through Scriptures, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Right, you ready? Okay, my first sermon, because uh, Pastor Kevin told me first sermon has to take two hours, so I'm going to stretch it for two hours. Only joking once again, all right? So we're going to go through this. But I want to start off with an amazing quote from C.S. Lewis. It goes like this. It says this. You can't go back and change the beginning, but you can start where you are and change the ending. Listen to those words. You can start where you are, okay, and you can change the ending. You know, I believe with all my heart that the 1st of January is an absolute gift of God to every single one of us. Did you know that? I believe it. I believe that every single time you celebrate a New Year's, It's almost as if God is saying, guess what, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, you have an opportunity right here in this moment to change your destiny. 2018 might have been a tough year, it might have been a hard year, you possibly made terrible mistakes or bad decisions, it could have been a lot of unforeseen circumstances in your life, it could have been a year that, you know what, you just want to forget, but the good news is that 2019 is here. And because you have the Spirit of God living in you, because you carry the presence of God, and because God is with you and for you and not against you, I sense in my heart for a lot of people here, we want a new beginning. We actually want to change our futures. We want something to to change within us. I love the fact that uh, this quote reminds us that the 1st of January, uh, it gives us the ability in a sense not to change the past, Okay, if anyone ever tells you you can change your past, that's a lie. But what the 1st of January gives us, what the new year gives us, is an opportunity to shift atmospheres in our lives. Did you know, as a believer, you can carry an atmosphere? Now, if you don't believe me, uh, when you are in a happy place and everyone's having fun, and then all of a sudden this person rocks up and they've got a cloud, you've experienced that. Not in this church, obviously, because we're all wonderful, happy people here, and we're always smiling, and God is always good. And I know other churches have got some people like this. When they walk in, it changes the atmosphere. Have you ever experienced that before? So here's the thing. We can carry an atmosphere with us, and I believe with all my heart that we have an opportunity today to change the atmosphere around us. I don't know about you, but when I walk into a place, I want people to sense the Spirit of God. When I walk into a family situation, I want people to sense the Spirit of God. When I walk into a congregation, I want people to sense the Spirit of God upon us. So we have an opportunity to change uh, the atmosphere around us. We have also the opportunity to change our focus. We also have opportunity to change our faith in Jesus Christ. We need to get to a place where we have more faith in Him. Everywhere we go, our faith needs to be stretched in towards Jesus Christ. It gives us an opportunity to redirect our lives and give us more vision for more of Christ and less of us. I can guarantee you this. Most of the problems in my life, and it probably will be the same with you, most of the problems in my life, Start with the fact that I've got more focus on myself compared to God. I don't know about you, but I want to change that in my life. I want to be more Christ-centered, more Christ-focused. Because more, the, the closer we get to God, the better it is for us. Amen, you with me?
Matthew chapter 28 verse 18 says this, And Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. I love that portion of scripture, by the way. I'm going to just move away from my message just for a moment, just, just, just to focus on that. You know what I love about the scripture? And I, I'm sure you've heard me say this, and you will hear me say this for as long as I'm here. If God has all the authority, how much authority does the enemy have? None. Nothing. Because you, you remember when you were a child and there were sweets, you'd take all the sweets. And if you had all the sweets, that means no one else could get a sweet because they belonged to you. One of the first uh, uh, words we, we learn as children is the word mine. Am I right? It's mine. It's mine. We love it. But here's the thing. The Bible says all authority belongs to him. That means, ladies and gentlemen, I've got good news for someone here today. The enemy has got no authority over you. He has no authority over your life. All authority belongs to Jesus. All right, let's get back to the message, right? Verse 19, therefore go and make disciples of how many nations? All nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, uh, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Isn't that such a wonderful promise? No matter what you're going through, no matter how hard life gets, the reality is God is always with you. He will never abandon you. For someone here today, you might have been abandoned. You might feel like everyone lets you down. Everyone just uh, tramples all over you and, uh, and neglects you. Here's good news for you. God will never do that to you. God will always be with you when you're happy and when you're sad. When you are living a good life or when you're living a bad life, God is always with you. He'll never abandon you, always be with you. Isn't that good news for us? Today, ladies and gentlemen, something brand new has happened in the life of Phyllis. And I want you to know something. I'm not talking about Tammy and myself. I believe with all my heart that from today, I believe that there's going to be a change in the atmosphere in this church. I believe that today, as from today, we're going to, as we endeavor to lay a great foundation for growth in many different ways of the church. By the way, this pastor, your new pastor, I believe that we're going to see growth. I honestly believe that God is going to do something in the midst of us where he will receive all the praise, the glory, and honor. It will not be about a pastor or about a worship team, but it's going to be about Jesus Christ because he is so good. I believe as we lay this foundation, we're going to see a growth in the passion and love for our God, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. My dream, my vision for us is that when we enter into the towns and surrounding towns around us, we're going to be such a passionate people that when people actually see us, they're I know what church you come from. You're from that, that Follies church, man. Those guys are so excited for Jesus Christ. Is anyone here with me this morning? Is anyone with me? I, I, I want you to know something. I'm sensing, I believe that we are going to get to a place where we are going to be passionate for Jesus. We're going to be talking about Him. We're going to be preaching and We're going to be living Jesus in every area of our lives. I believe we're going to grow in our dedication to the call of the gospel. And by the way, we've all been called to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Ladies and gentlemen, if you feel that you've employed a pastor to do the work of the ministry, you're mistaken. I have a passion to see God's people working the ministry. Did you know that the fivefold ministry, we've been called to equip who for the work of the ministry? The saints. 
So here's the good news. I believe there's going to be a passion for the ministry again within the church. It's going to be a great passion to get out there and see people saved in terms of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm also expecting a great growth in our faith where we actually practice the word and not just listen to the word, but we're going to be doers of the word. And yes, I believe that there will be a growth in numbers. As usual, whenever I say that, there's never an amen. True, true story. I promise you, I preach. I've made that statement in many churches all over the world, in fact. When I make that statement, yes, I'm believing for growth in numbers, I never hear an amen. You might find that strange, but I don't. I actually don't. I, I expect it when people actually don't say amen to that. Because here's the thing. I've been around the ministry for quite some time. I know I only look 22. I really do. I know. That's one of those things. But I've been around the ministry for some time, and I've realized something. And I've often heard people say, hey, pastor, 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 hey, hey. You know what? It's not about the numbers, hey? It's not about the numbers. You must, be, you, you must just have a little bit of people around you. That's all you need because it's not about the numbers. I'm here to challenge you this morning. I really am here to challenge you this morning. I'm going to challenge you by asking you a question. How many people do you think God wants saved? Hello? Everyone. I'm going to make a statement. I do believe that God is about numbers. Now, as I say that, a lot of you are like, oh, you can't. You're Pastor Kevin. I'm going to phone you straight off the service. How can you get this oak here? Who's this oak? It's about numbers. Okay, here's the thing. I do believe God's about numbers because I believe that God has got a passion for the lost. I actually believe that when Jesus Christ died on the cross, he didn't go on the cross with all that pain and suffering and being separated from God thinking, oh, I just hope 10 people get saved. I believe that when he got on the cross, he died for the entire world. He died for every single human being. And he has a passion for every single human being to come into the presence, his presence through Jesus Christ. Listen to the scripture, 1 John 2 verse 2. Check the last part out there. It actually says this, that he, the whole world, did you see that? But the whole world, how many people are in the whole world? 10, 20, 100? No, he is there for the whole world. Listen to the scripture, John 3, 17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. God's got a passion for numbers. The more people that come into his kingdom, the greater, I believe, the, uh, the, cro- the power of the cross becomes. Do you believe that? I mean, why, why would the scriptures in the book of Acts actually give us numbers of 3,000 people being saved in one day? 5,000 people saved in one day. Here's the thing. The more people we get into the kingdom of God, I believe we're fulfilling the commission. We've got to be there. God is about numbers. If you're not about numbers, and please wait till the end of the sermon before you throw your Bible at me at the moment. So just put it down. This might offend some people. If you're against numbers, if you're against people getting saved, could it be that you're selfish? Could it be that you want a church that actually suits you? A church that is just for you. A church where I'm happy when I sit in a chair and there's no one around me because I've got all the space in the world. I don't want someone sitting next to me just in case they haven't put deodorant on. 
Now, we, we had a little saying at the Sweetwater's Church when we did a new partners, when people wanted to join our church. We always made the statement. We said, hey, guys, we want you to be free in your worship. We'd love for you to raise up your arms and hands in worship. But please, please, just one thing. When you do it, make sure you wear deodorant. Because we don't want the person next to you falling in the spirit and it's actually not the right spirit. You know what I'm saying? So here's the thing. A lot of people, we get so caught up in church being about us. And we're not willing to sacrifice for the world. See, we're supposed to, did you know this? When Jesus called his disciples, he didn't say, hey guys, I've got a suggestion. I have an idea. If you feel like it, why don't you just follow me? When he found his disciples, how many people know he said this, follow me? Very deep theology right there. Follow me. And do you know what Jesus meant by follow me? The original Greek, including the Hebrew Bibles. What the meaning of follow me is simply this. Follow me. I know that's deep right there. went right over your head. But that's what he meant. He meant follow my ways. Follow my teaching. Follow my example. Why do you think he would say, take up your cross and follow me? Here's the thing. Jesus wants us to emulate him. We want to be just like him in everything that he does. And guess what? He had a passion, not just for one soul, not for two souls, but for the entire world. Church, it's time to shift our passion to a place where we have a vision for all people to be saved. I would love for the fact, could you imagine if God uh, so, uh, um, I don't know the word I'm trying to find here, but imagine if God was, uh, found us in a place where he said 3,000 people, boom, in your church straight away. What would we do? What would we do? We've got to have the faith for it. So, God, hey, I'm doing well for time. Look at that. A church cannot grow unless there are a few things that are cemented in our foundation. And I just want to go through a few things that I believe needs to be cemented in our foundation, personally, in our personal lives. You see, if you want God to grow in your business, you need this. If you want God to grow in your marriage, you need this. If you want God to grow in your family, your finances, whatever it might be, these certain things you are definitely going to need in your life. If, God is, if God's going to grow our church, we need this. The first thing, very important, is simply this. Jesus needs to always be the head of the church. And I can, instead of the word church, I can put, Jesus needs to be the head of your life. Jesus needs to be head of your marriage. Jesus needs to be the head of your finances. You know what I love about the fact is, when Jesus is the head of something, it means he's in front. It means we're following. It means he is directing. He is guiding. Here's the thing. A church, and I, I want you to understand this, a church will never grow because of a pastor. And if you put your faith and trust in a pastor, you've missed it. We actually always got to know that this church will never be Pastor Ryan and Pastor Tammy's church. It was never Pastor Kevin and Linda's church. Here's the thing. This church, there's only one head, and his name is Jesus Christ. You got to know something. When any, anyone, yeah, give the Lord a hand, that's true. When people come into this church, they got to know it's Jesus it's always about Jesus Christ. Please note the words. He said all authority has been given to who? Him. If we want breakthrough, if we want this church and our families and our businesses to, to have breakthrough, Jesus needs to be at the head. Not the tail, the head. I love this. It says this, a church that preaches anything outside of Jesus is actually not a church. You're a social group. 
I don't want a church that's a social group. We come on a Sunday, uh, we listen to some lacquer music, you know, it gets happy, we run around, it's really nice. Uh, you know, we have this uh, moment of reflection because there's some quieter songs, and then some guy gets up and uh, he encourages us and motivates us, and then you, we have coffee and then we go home. Awesome. No, 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 it's about Jesus. It's about Jesus. As your pastor, I have a desire that, that is that Jesus Christ will always be the center of everything we do here at Fullies. I'm not going to be focusing on a theology. I'm not going to be focusing on a pet doctrine. I'm not going to focus on some religious culture. What we want to create is a Jesus culture. I want the language. I want everything that we talk about. It needs to revolve around Jesus. Everything we do, it needs to be about Jesus. When we focus on worship and preaching, on lifestyle, it has to focus on Jesus, because He is our Lord and Savior. He is the way, the truth, and the life. You cannot get to the Father any other way but through Him, Jesus. Someone wrote this, and I love this. I'm going to read it to you. It says this, Suppose a great doctor discovers the cure for cancer. Once that cure is found, it is there. But before it can become available for everyone, it must be taken out to the world. Doctors and surgeons must know about it and be trained how to use it. The cure is there, but one person cannot take it to the entire world. That precisely is what the church is to Jesus Christ. It is in Jesus that all people and all nations can be reconciled to God. But before that can happen, they must know about Jesus Christ. And it is the task of the church to bring that about. Christ is the head. The church is the body. The head must have a body through which it can work. The church is quite literally the hands to do Christ's work, the feet to run His errands, and the voice to speak His words. Ladies and gentlemen, if this church is to grow, it has to grow through us. I want you to know that. It has to grow through us. We are the hands. We are the feet. We are the voice for Jesus Christ in this world. How do we do this together? Three things. We've got to pray. Number one, you've got to pray. Prayer is key. Ladies and gentlemen, can I say this? There might come a day you walk out this building and you say, you know, I've got nothing from that service. Oh, nothing. Ah, you know, it was actually just boring, you know. That guy waffled on about prayer for about an hour and I'm tired of it. Oh, I've got nothing. Can I ask you one favor? Before you make a statement like, I've got nothing out of it, can I ask that you ask yourself a question? Did I pray for that service? Before I walked through those doors, did I ask God to speak to me? Did I, during the week, pray for the pastor that was preparing the message? Did I, did I pray, God, give him a revelation of who you are, a revelation of the scriptures, that when I come in, you will be able to speak to me? Did I pray for the worship team, that God, they'd be so in sync, that, Lord, they'll be united, and that, Lord, whatever they do, Lord, it's going to be a praise offering to you? Did I pray first before I say, they make the statement, I've got nothing out of that? And by the way, to make a statement like, I got nothing out of it, well, that's actually a good thing. What? What? What do you mean? I got, I, that's not a good thing. I got, no, actually, you were not supposed to get anything out of it. It was all for Jesus. 
It's all for Jesus. He's supposed to get everything out. Secondly, we've got to get involved. I'm going to ask you, please, get involved in the life of this church. We need your help. What we're going to be doing as a pastoral couple, we're going to be shouting out loud, please help. Get involved. Get involved in whatever ministries you can. Help shake hands at the door. Help with the collection. Help with communion. Can I, I'll be honest with you. A church cannot grow with one person. We need to be a team. We need to be a family working together to influence and impact this community. So your pastoral couple, we're going to be shouting, please help. We need your help. All hands on deck, as they say here. We need everyone involved in the church. How are we going to grow is through involvement. Thirdly, we need to be faithful. Isn't it amazing? We all want to hear those words when we die. Eh? Well done, good, and? Yeah. Please, please note, it doesn't say, well done, great worship leader. Well done, you preacher. Yes. Well done, you tithe payer. Yes, thank you so much. No, it doesn't say that. It says, well done, good and faithful. And then we always miss out the last part. Servant. Servant. Faithful servant to the Lord. Second thing we need in our foundation is simply this. The presence of God. Ladies and gentlemen, the church was never created to make you happy. But it was created to make God happy. It needs to always stay that way. We exist for God. We exist to bring praise, glory, and honor to Him. Amen? Would you agree with that? We exist for that. Once again, you can have the, uh, a worship team that can stand up here and rock it. You can have the uh, lead guitarist going crazy, the drummer literally smashing these things, and long hair, and all this. Everything, you can have everything. It's awesome. You can have a preacher that can spit so well that even the back row, you get my spit. You, you, I mean, you can have all those amazing things. You can have like a, a, the best tithe payers in the church. You can have all those things, which is all wonderful. But here's the thing. If the presence of God is not found in a church, it's not a church. It's once again just a social club where people come together and have a good time. I'll tell you what, our greatest desire needs to be the presence of God. Because in the presence of God, there is healing. In the presence of God, there is deliverance. In the presence of God, there is power. This is what we need in this day and age. We need the presence of God, not only on a Sunday gathering, but in your workplaces, uh, while you're running while you're surfing, we need the presence of God. You want to change lives. You want things to change. You want growth. It's found in the presence of God. I don't have time to read it, but in 2 Chronicles chapter 5, please go home and read it. 2 Chronicles chapter 5. You'll read about a group of musicians that gathered together. Oh. And listen, it wasn't, it wasn't like the old days, Stiltakerk. Remember those days? Stiltakerk. Walk in, it's like a morgue. If you happen to laugh, they cast out demons. You remember that? <laughs> this, this, this gathering, the Bible says, go read it. There was tambourines. There were stringed instruments. There were cymbals. They were praising God like you have no idea. Then all of a sudden, go read it. The presence of God is felt. And the Bible makes it clear. Not one person could stand. Every person fell flat on their face. Why? The presence of God. Can I say this? We want our, my life to change. We want your life to change. You want this church to make impact. 
It's found in the presence of God. The point is this. You won't always feel comfortable, but it's important to seek God's presence. And if God's presence is felt here, you will always want to be here. You'll never want to miss a service. And lastly, and I finish off with this, hand in hand with presence is worship. Someone once said, some churches that used to be on fire are now just filled with smoke. (laughs) I want us to be fired up for Jesus. And I I want to end off with this. You know, a lot of times the emphasis when you speak on worship, it's about the praise and worship team, where in fact it's not. Worship is actually more about our attitude. The Bible makes it very clear. You and I, we were created to worship Him. That means I can't carry the worship team with me when I go to work. It would be awesome. How awesome would that be? Hey, come on, think about it. Imagine going into work and you've got an awesome key player and you got the key. I mean, imagine it. Guys, just hold on. I'm going to lunch break. Worship team, come with me. Yes, it would be awesome. But you can't do that. Your whole life reflects worship. And how it's reflected is by your attitude. What is your attitude towards God and the things of God? Our attitude. I know it's an old saying, but ladies and gentlemen, it's so true. It affects our altitude. If we walk into this church with the right attitude, not a critical spirit, not looking for fault, because the truth is, and we often say this at weddings, if you want to find fault, you will find it. It's a fact. But our attitude towards God, His kingdom, His gospel, that's an act of worship to Him. So at the moment, at this time, I want every head bowed just for a moment. We're going to finish off like this. I believe that there's going to be a total shift in our atmosphere from this day. I believe that we're going to see God move in such a supernatural way amongst us. As we, first of all, allow Jesus to be the head. Don't put your faith and trust in the new pastor. Keep your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Allow him to be the head of this church, to be the head of your family, to be the head of your finances, to be the head of your department, to be the head of whatever you want right now. Allow him to be the head. And secondly, let's make sure that we always seek after his presence with an attitude of worship. Everything we do, needs to be an offering to Jesus Christ. So Father, in your name, in Jesus' name, I declare that this house, this church of Follies, Lord, will be a a church where the presence of God is going to be so tangible. That Lord, even before we start the first song, even our fellowship before, even Lord, even while we're having coffee, or even while we're in the car park, even maybe while we're walking to church, that Lord, even in those moments, your presence will be felt. And I pray for every single person that will walk through those doors, Lord. It will not be a sermon that will change their heart. It will not be a song that will change their heart. But it will be your presence. 
And as people seek you and find you, I love that, Lord, the promise you gave us. If we seek you, we will find you. I pray every person that's seeking God will come through those doors, will find him here. Thank you, Jesus. You're the head of this church. Thank you, Lord, that we are always going to be seeking your presence. And, Lord, we are always going to have an attitude of gratitude because of your goodness. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone in the house once again says, Amen. Amen. Bless you. Thank you for being with us this morning.